Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever the mission, home or away, Enterprise helps over 120,000 people every day. With vans of all shapes and sizes, if you have a plan, Enterprise has a van. No matter if you need to rent for an hour, a day, a week or longer, Enterprise offers great rates for you or your business. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, happy Friday, my friends, and welcome to yet another Andy Goldstein Talks for Daily Podcast with me, your host, Andy Goldstein. And we begin, would you believe, with a bit of Manchester United chat with Adrian Durham and Darren Goff. They discuss whether Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side are now title contenders after signing Jaden Sancho, and of course, if Harry Maguire is all that. Oh dear. I think there'll be people listening to this saying you can't compare Maguire and Van Dyke. Well, can't you now? Because Harry Maguire was a rock in the England defence that got to a World Cup semi-final. He's then that rock in the England defence that does well at the Nations League as well, and he's the rock that not only does very well in the European Championships this year, but he gets into the team of the tournament as well. Harry Maguire this time attacking it. Lovely in-swinging delivery. And actually, if you look at his individual honours throughout his career, very uh, Leicester, at Hull, Sheffield United, there's Player of the Year awards galore. So you can And Player's Player as well, which we know is a significant one. So he may not have a lot next to his name in terms of the trophies that his teams have won, but his individual performances yeah. show that he clearly is one of the better performers in every team he's in. And then he's played in towards the far post and put in beautifully by Jadon Sancho. Manchester United are, are making moves. Sancho, of course, coming in. There may be talk of a, another midfielder coming in, which me for me, actually, another midfielder completes the picture. But... Are they title contenders next season if all these transfers happen? And I think the thing with Man United <laughs> is that there will be a big striker, at least one, signed by one of the big clubs. And then it sets off the move. In the Premier League. Man United have got Cavani and they've got Greenwood. Greenwood's might need a couple of years. Cavani needs to stay fit. And if he does, they've got a chance. But is he likely to? That's the big question. Mm-hmm. So that's an area, a little area of weakness. On to the issues at Wembley from Sunday's Euro final and chair of the DCMS, Julian Knight MP, spoke about the trouble and he outlined the questions he will be demanding answers for from the authorities. He also stated the media are not stoking up events from the Euro's final. This isn't media-driven. This is as serious a breach of uh, stadium safety as we've seen in decades. You had people in terror, seemingly. I mean, I was getting text messages that evening from friends who were at the game, and they were saying that this was absolute chaos. And we are incredibly lucky that we didn't have a tragedy. That is our main concern, to make sure that, frankly, that, that lessons are learned, that those responsible understand the seriousness of what went on and take responsibility for it. And we then need to make sure that in the future we don't have anything like this again. And these are the questions I'm going to be asking the, uh, the FA first of all. Are basically, what went wrong? Uh, what plans were in place for a potential storming of the stadium? So they must have had plans in place for this. What training were stewards given? Why were permanent barriers not installed to manage the anticipated crowds? How many people gained access? 
and it wasn't a few hundred, it seems to be several thousand. How many stewards and metropolitan police officers were stationed outside the stadium? Where were they stationed, which is absolutely crucial? And what actions were taken to remove those without tickets? Seemingly none. And what repercussions will those who attack the stewards or force entry now face? They're just starting questions, frankly. Now, the former BDO World Darts champion, Andy Fordham, has sadly died at the age of just 59. Fordham, nicknamed the Viking, won the tournament at the Lakeside 17 years ago after four previous semi-final defeats. On TalkSport, darts reporter Marcus Stead paid tribute. We received the news uh, yesterday afternoon that Andy had passed away at the age of 59. And the tributes that have been paid during the course of yesterday afternoon and into the evening and in today's papers, they show that his popularity transcended the darts community. Even people who didn't really follow darts knew who Andy Fordham was. He was larger than life, but he was also a very decent and a very pleasant man. He was a gentle giant in the true sense of the word. He did a lengthy online video on YouTube during the first lockdown last summer where he had plenty to say about his career as well as modern darts. He was a big supporter of Fallon Sherrick and women's darts in general. Then in January this year, he contracted COVID, which he described as the scariest thing he'd ever faced. Yeah. Recent months, he'd signed up for this new World Seniors Championship due to take place next February at the Circus Tavern. And wouldn't it have been wonderful, Paul, to have seen him back on the big stage again? But sadly, it wasn't to be. On now to Everton, where we'll hear from Ray Parler, Emil Heskey and a Toffees fan. But first up, it's Adrian Durham on why the supporters should back their new boss, Rafa Benitez. He wants, you know, the same things they want, i.e. to be successful. He wants to lead them out of the new stadium in 2024. Um, and it's a high same ambition. Same as Ancelotti did. They've had, what is it, five managers in five years? <laughs> so they want some stability. They need a, a manager to stick around. And if he wants success, what's wrong with that? So I asked, what's the problem? And this guy has said, obviously not your club. Well, we all know I'm not an Everton fan. So what's yeah, that got yeah. to do with it? That doesn't explain the problem. So less on the high horse... <laughs> Get down off that horse and tell us exactly what the problem is. Now, at the end of the day, he was employed by Liverpool. He was there to do a job. He wound the Everton fans up. And we were trying, you know, but when you play with uh, small clubs, always it's, it's difficult. If that had been the other way around, we'd have absolutely loved it. At the end of the day, he does what it takes to win for his club. We've, we've been with the world-class managers like Carlo Ancelotti. The first chance he got, he turned his back and got off as quick as he could. At least with Rafa, you know, he's a really decent man. His family are settled in the city. He knows what the clubs and what scousers are about and, and what football's about in the city. And for me, do you know what? You've got to get behind him. It's a fact. I think their home form was uh, pretty poor last year, wasn't it? That's where they really yeah. suffered. Yeah. And I think the crowd being back at, in Goodison Park would help uh, Everton, I really do. I, I, it's one of them sort of stadiums, really old-fashioned stadium. Oh, very I love tight. Goodison. Mm. I love oh. Goodison Park as well. Well, one thing you get, you get back. I mean, the yeah. board were—they will spend money, yeah. Everton, and they will go for it again. They, they, well, they, it's they know they got the people right... out. I think. I think that's going to yeah, be the yeah. job. But if they can get the right players in, they'll certainly be up there again yeah. next year. I am not playing mind games. I am talking about facts. He needs to do well straight away. Straight away. I know he mentioned there and everyone's pleased and wants success for him. Because when you look at Liverpool, you've got family members that are red and family members that are blue. Mm -hmm. It's probably talking to that, that one family. They're not going to tell you that they don't want <laughs> <laughs> You go down the road. It's going to be totally different. He needs success straight away. Or it's going to be a, a rocky, rocky road. Over now to Royal St George's for the Open, where, of course, you can hear all the action live on TalkSport 2. Louis Oosthuizen currently holds the clubhouse lead in golf's Open Championship after finishing minus six or six under on day one or one. England's Justin Rose and Tommy Fleetwood from, of course, the band, 
are three shots behind. Rory McIlroy birded the last hole to end the day on his dad. Oh no, that should read on par. And here he is to tell us more. Taps it in for par. Just a par on this par four. 12th to Rory McIlroy. Yeah, it was a tricky afternoon. You know, the, the conditions got pretty rough there in the middle of the round. The wind got up and, you know, I made a few bogeys in a row. So sort of said to myself at the turn, if I could just get back to even par for the day, I'd be happy. And, you know, it's nice to finish like that. And, you know, looking forward to getting back out there tomorrow. Some guys are shooting some great scores. So you obviously felt like there was chances out there and it was scorable, but it felt hard. It felt really hard this afternoon and there were some really demanding golf shots. There was just kind of no let up to the golf course. So yeah, like it felt tough. You don't really know if everybody else is feeling the same thing all the time. You expect it to calm down a little bit. You're playing it. You get that late tee time and it's like six, seven, eight o'clock. You think, oh, it might calm down, but it, it just didn't seem like it did. Now tomorrow, the British and Irish Lions take on Stormers in Cape Town. It's just eight days until the first test when they will come up against Cheslin Colby. England prop Joe Marler played against him in the 2019 World Cup final and explained to Adrian Durham just how good he is. November this year, it'll be two years since Cheslin Colby had my pants down um, in the World Cup final. And I know firsthand how good that little toad is. He is unbelievable. And he showed it again last night in the South Africa A game. Like you've already said, it wasn't an A game. It was a fourth test. Cheslin Colby takes five inside of his own top. Brilliant little goose step for Cheslin Colby. Goes down the right-hand side. Elliot Ellie makes a tackle. The offload to Lacanio arm. And he will go in to score the try. He's just phenomenal. He'll definitely be someone that the line shut down early doors when the test series rolls on in. How do you defend against him, though? It seems impossible. <laughs> Get someone else to do it. He's um, <laughs> like you, with the big boys, like someone like Manu Tuolangi. He's usually the comments always, "Your man, you can take him, you mm -hmm. can take him." And then someone like Cheslin Colby, you can't even tell someone else to take him because they won't take him either. You've just not got a kick in the ball. That's the biggest thing. I think they've got to look to keep possession more mm. and kick out as opposed to kick infield and giving a chance to counterattack against us. And don't forget the tour is live and exclusive to TalkSport and that first test is next Saturday. And before we finish the podcast, we should drop into... Oh yeah, my show, Andy Goldstein Sports Bar, Monday to Thursday from 10pm. I mean, any, any player that kisses the badge when they score against their previous club tells you he doesn't give two hoots what you think. Well, okay, what about if he scores so, against any club? Um, so so if, if, Frank would no, have scored, if Frank would have scored... For Man City, again, I think hey, a prime example. A prime example. Go Michael on. Owen scored for Man United, the yeah. winner against Man City, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. If Michael Owen, in the frenzy, right? I think it was four three of that game. The yeah. frenzy that preceded that moment, that that mm. split second of mm. madness. Mm. If he just grabbed his shirt and kissed the badge, is that acceptable? I'm not sure it is. Is it not? I don't think it is. No. Because you lose your head in that moment. Yeah, Scoring the winner against yeah, City. But, yeah, but the, your first instinct isn't to kiss the badge. It's to no, lose no, your head. Just, it just, it your just, arms above your head. Yeah, no. you're, you're running around like a headless chicken. If you kiss the badge... I'm not sure Is it about that, that. Is kissing the badge that bad? I think it's a bit... Yeah. It's, it's a, Why? It's because, weird, isn't it? Because it takes effort. It takes... You literally have to... You grab it. You, I mean, physically, you can't get your neck close to your badge. No, I know that. You can't, you can't kiss your own breast, can you? But you actually got to make an effort to bring the shirt See, to I've your... never talked about kissing the badge before. You've got to bring it to your lips. Is it that horrific? I think it depends who you are and how long you've been there.
That's it. Thanks for listening on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcast from. I'm back on TalkSport today at 4pm on my show, Andy Goldstein's Drive Time, alongside Jamie O'Hara. When the feeling's gone and you can't go wrong, it's tragedy. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. And above all, be safe, everyone. Be safe. That was a podcast from TalkSport. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.